This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Hey, I want you to welcome my friend, Om, our friend, Om, from India. Would you do that right now? He's coming out, and so we're going to talk. So, Om, come on. Hey, I, it was four or five years ago that you were here, so a lot of these people have not met you yet. So yeah. this is the first Sunday. Yeah, maybe, I think, 2017? Something like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so four years sure. or so, but like that. So, uh, Om, of course, his home is in India, and, and he is one of, our, one of our partners there. So do you remember some months ago, we, we joined with other faith communities, other churches, and we collected funds to send over to help people during this COVID thing. And you also remember that there were a number of pastors who had lost their life and, and yeah. people were, it hit, it hit India hard. Yes. Really, really hard. Well, Om is one of our partners in the northern part of, of India who received some of those funds and you were able to go out and purchase food. Yeah. And let's talk about that a little bit because that really opened up some doors. Yeah. <clears throat> so India was really hit badly with COVID. And, uh, you know, everything was completely shut down, and uh, it was such a difficult time. So many deaths were taking place, too. Uh, but, you know, and, you know, in the plains area, in the city area, there were some help that people could receive from, you know, some of the organizations and all. But, uh, you know, on the mountain areas where people are living, and those places were actually cut off from the rest of the world and because of the lockdown. And uh, I used to, you know, continue to talk to my parents on the phone and how the situations are there. And the villages were just, you know, with fever. Like everybody in every village was like sick with COVID. And people even didn't know that it was COVID because they don't know because there is no uh, proper, you know, you know, channel of like tell, telling them what it is. Nobody ever went there. There's no hospitals and all. And, uh, but sickness was there. But, you know, the worst thing was that people did not have food mm-hmm. because food supplies were cut off from the other places. And uh, my mom was just talking like, you know, people don't have anything to even eat there, like the basic need. Mm-hmm. So I started kind of praying about it. And God just gave this burden into my heart that I need to you know, pray for my own people, that area, because mm-hmm. other area, yes, there are helps, you know, for the people, but that area, nobody ever wants to go. And when you're talking about that area, you're talking about villages and Himalayas, the Himalayas, that you call yeah. them, right? Himalayas, yeah. Himalayas. Either is fine. Either is fine. And so about 7,000 villages or something like that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and even the same dialect, the same language isn't even spoken, I know. Mm-hmm. So um, when you talk about being cut off, they are yeah. cut off. Yes. So you were taking food supplies and yeah. heading into the Himalayas. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And so, yeah, when we took the food there, like, thankfully, you know, we prayed and I shared with our leaders and they connected with, you know, our partners and prayer partners. And thankfully, you know, things were opened up and we could actually take uh, loads of truck of food to the people. And as I went there with the food, like people were so astonished and they were so amazed. They couldn't believe this because nobody ever went to them with mm-hmm. any kinds of support, with any kinds of help and medications and basically food. And so when we too did that, people started actually thinking about who we were. Mm-hmm. Because 
initially when you know they used to criticize us because of our faith mm -hmm. but when we did that act of like you know small thing for them people started glorifying jesus and they were coming back to my parents and saying that your god has done this you know your god could yeah. enable amen. this yeah amen yeah so yeah, yeah that was that actually yeah. really opened so many doors for us to actually you know share the love of jesus with so many people you know actually a couple of family actually came to me while i was still there in the villages and they kind of invited me to their houses said that can you please pray for us in the name of jesus yeah. and we could pray for them and they are still you know they came out of the village and they are living in masuri area some of their kids mm -hmm. yeah. are they part of our fellowship now yeah. like sunday brunch Up in the northern it. part there yeah so um i'm almost garwali and uh um obviously you and your family you were born and raised raised there you have your wife and two kids yes i'm married i have uh, i have two kids my son is 11 and my daughter will be 6 on the 27th you almost forgot didn't you no you didn't <laughs> <laughs> and your wife pushpa and they're they're a, a incredible incredible family you know we talk about um in the efforts that we partner with mm -hmm. like this good deeds Sure. Goodwill, good news. And so good deeds create goodwill. You yeah. experience that, that open the doors yeah. for the good news to be shared. So that's why we do what we do. Yep. Right? Yeah. And so let's talk about the persecution. Um, it was just, I think, about two years ago, I think, when I caught that India moved up into the top 10 of the most persecuted um, parts of the world, yeah. countries in the world, right? Yeah. And, um, um, in your state where you live, yeah. you, you, you have experienced, the state's experienced this persecution against Christians. Yeah. <clears throat> so right now in India, the persecution has really, the graph has really gone straight up. Mm -hmm. uh, and our state actually, I think it's maybe number one or number two persecuted yeah. state in, in India state right now. Area. And so, but, you know, every Sunday, you know, whenever there's a church service in a small group or a church building, you know, the fanatics would just come and straight away go into the buildings and just without any talk and anything, they start breaking things away, beating people, including believers. There has been some, you know, really those kinds of incidents that they were really hurt. Even the people had to be hospitalized. And, uh, you know, the entire building is actually destroyed. But one of the good thing out of that has come is that the believers has have actually boldly come out with their faith mm -hmm. and people are not scared honestly it's like such a such a increasing for us also that people are so strong in their faith and they're coming out and just proclaiming through the media or social media that we love jesus and jesus is jesus's name is actually being glorified and brings being actually spread out in the community also so you know not only yeah i mean nobody has, actually wants to be persecuted ever nobody wants to get hurt but you know what that has actually brought out some positiveness is the more openness to the gospel mm -hmm. the churches are being together churches are connecting and people are coming together strongly in their faith and they are not ashamed and they are not afraid of who they are yeah in fact you you um text me emailed me and let me know look that's that's what persecution does and the church is growing church under is persecution growing, yeah. so um, we continue to pray for you. Sure. Um, um, in just a moment, Om's going to share his story. M some of you perhaps have heard it. Many of you have, have, have not. 
it's a powerful story of how Jesus came to you and to into your your family in the lobby. Own brought some mittens. Now there's good news and there's bad news, <laughs> right? <laughs> The good news is Owen brought these, and these, these were made by um, women in one of the villages, mm-hmm. right? And it helps to support them, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So with basic needs and basic so on. Needs, yep. So these are the real deal, aren't they? Like, they are handmade. They are handmade. Yeah. yeah. And um, wool. Wool. From what? From the mountains, goats and... Goats, yeah. okay. Mountain goats and stuff. And so there you go. Uh, you know, know what the bad news is? Yeah, there's like six pair left. So... I don't know, like, you got to be kind to each other at the end of the service. I don't know. I know, I know some of you are going to get up, and you're going to go get them, fine, whatever. But, um, yeah, so it's one way that we can help support what's happening over we there. We can send them more later. You can send more. <laughs> you send more. Okay, we will, get, we will get more later. So, Om, thanks for coming. Um, um, I always kind of quiz you. So, Gateway, we're committed in three parts of the, of the world to sharing the good news of the gospel. So, we're committed to northern India. Amen. Mm-hmm. And where else? The Basque? Yes. And? Senegal. Senegal. There you go right mm-hmm. there. Good job. You get A. So give, give Oma a welcome. Would you do that again as we hear what Jesus done? So. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gateway family. Uh, I call it family because you guys pray for us. And, uh, you know, the leadership is so connected to us, and it really feels like your family, and we don't feel alone when there are difficult times and when there are persecutions, when there are pandemics. We feel that we have some people who are praying for us. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for praying for us and standing with us. So I'm going to share my story a little bit, not a little bit, but uh, hopefully some of you remember it. Some of uh, you may not remember anything, but uh, you know, it's a privilege to be here, and uh, you know, God, only God can do this, because I can't even imagine of my own being here until God works, and uh, so I'm grateful to be here. So my name is Om Prakash, and uh, I'll tell you the meaning of my name. The Om, have you ever heard the Om sound? In Hinduism, there's Om sound, and uh, I think they use it in the uh, yogas also. In yoga, also, they chant a lot of stuff and humming sound. And everything in Hinduism starts with Om. So Om meaning is uh, the universal sound that existed forever and ever before anything came into the existence. So that is Om sound, universal sound. Prakash is light. So that's the you know, meaning of my name. As my name you know, portrays that I was born and brought up in a Hindu family, in a very, very remote village on the Himalayan mountain. While growing up, we did not have roads, no electricity, no schools, no hospitals. My parents were so poor that many times we did not enough food to eat. I didn't ever, you know, had shoes. I used to just bear walk, you know, on the mountains in school also. It's like village school. But we had so many gods and goddesses to worship. And uh, when I say, you know, worshiping God doesn't mean just like we do here. You know, we, you know, experience the presence of God while worshiping. We experience the deliverance while worshiping. We feel the peace and joy and happiness and completeness and contentment of the presence of God when we worship. But our worship was not, not like that. Our worship was 
we were always in fear. We were always in fear of if the, you know, the wrath of our gods and goddesses is going to hit us and we actually need to please them. That's what it meant to be worshiping them. And it also included giving them the best gifts that we cannot you know, afford for ourselves. We did not have enough food to eat, but when it came to please our gods and goddesses, we had to buy, we had to borrow money to buy gifts for them, like good food. And that included animal sacrifice also. So that was what you know, our upbringing was. When I was about 13 years old, I became very sick. You know, as I told, my parents were very poor. We didn't have hospitals. And uh, you know, my parents couldn't take me to the hospital. If they were supposed to take me to the hospital also, it would take you know, 10 hours on the zigzag mountain road on the public bus and come to the city. And the patient would actually die on the way. <laughs> That was life. But they didn't have, even if they had to take me to the hospital, they didn't have money to do that. So I quit my school. I was home for six months. I was not doing anything. You know, I used to be very afraid of going out, even playing with my friends. Uh, the fear of death actually hovered me that time as a teenager. And I was like, I used to be so afraid of dying. I used to just, you know, Sometimes, you know, I used to get panic attacks, anxiety attacks, and I used to run to my mom, and I used to hug her, and I used to cry, and i tell my mom, please, I don't want to die. Please save me. And my mom would cry with me, and she would also say that, yes, we love you, son, and we don't want you to die. And eventually, you know, my parents decided that since they didn't have anything, so they would actually go to their family gods. So we call it family gods, because out of 330 million gods and goddesses in India, some of them become part of your family gods. So you don't invite them, they actually come into, and you have to accept it. So my parents thought that we would go to our family gods for help. So she went to a soothsayer, you know, the fortune teller, who can foreread about your you know, you know, family gods, atmosphere, and situations, and what need to be done. So he went, she went to him, and he said, yes, your family gods are unhappy. You need to arrange a ceremony for them, a ritual and ceremony. But he said, there is one more spirit that is wanting to join your family gods, and you need, you need to invite him also into your family gods. And when you do that, you know, that spirit is actually going to possess me because I was the main guy, you know. I was the sick. And so when spirit possesses me, I will manifest, I'll dance, you know, start prophesying, and I'll be possessed forever and ever, and people would actually love and respect me for, you know, being possessed with this new spirit. And that's, that's a normal. And people actually consider it, a, it as a privilege to be, you know, possessed by a new spirit. When she came home, she told all these things, and I was not happy. Because from my childhood, I had always seen these kinds of spiritual atmosphere. Whenever the, you know, spirit were, would manifest on anybody, you know, the people will act differently. They will scream, and, you know, it was so scary moment. So I was so scared to be possessed, even though people consider it as a privilege. Anyway, my parents took some time to prepare for this ceremony, where they had to, you know, invite a Hindu priest, you know, buy an animal to sacrifice, and other stuff. Meanwhile, since I was not doing anything, you know, one day I was sleeping in a small village muddy house, and uh, you know, there was a small hole in the wall, and there was this book lying down there. And I was like, you know, 
since I'm not doing anything, I can't go out to play, you know, let me just grab this book and I start, started reading that book. And as soon as I started reading this book, this was totally, totally different for me because I had never ever read about anything like this. I had never ever seen any, you know, uh, any qualities in our own God and goddesses that we worship, just like I was seeing in this guy, you know, this guy named Jesus in this book, and he's just going out there in the community, and he's just so loving, so kind, so, you know, powerful, so miraculous, and he's the most powerful. He's just going down there and touching sick people, and they are getting healing. He's touching the dead bodies, and they, they are coming back to life. You know, he is casting out the demons. And I was like, wow, who is this guy? Because I literally didn't know this guy before. And I am reading about this guy, and it looks like a beautiful storybook. And I'm just continuing to read it. And again and again, similar things and more, 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 more things are coming up. And I'm like, this is a beautiful storybook. But I literally had a little you know, curiosity in my heart towards, you know, this guy named Jesus. But there was nobody that I could go and ask anybody, hey, I'm reading about this, and who is this guy? But thankfully, you know what? There was another literature in that same hall that I grabbed it, and I started reading it. The title of that book was like, Jesus Calls You. And I was like, I'm reading about this, this guy on the book, and now this says that he calls you. So I started reading that book. That's a Christian magazine. It was in Hindi language. And this was full of similar stories that people went through, just exactly it was happening in the New Testament, in the four Gospels. Like people are sick, they are calling upon the name of Jesus, and God is healing them. You know, some of them are going through difficult situations and sin and all these things, and they call upon the name of Jesus, and God just did mighty miracles in their lives. And eventually that book said, Jesus is the only God. He's the only one. There's no one beside him. And if you are also going through a similar situation in your life, you can call upon the name of Jesus and he will save you. He will hear your cry. He will hear and he will answer you. So that actually gave me small faith in my heart. Other side, since my parents were preparing for this thing, when I was reading this, I told my mom one day, Mom, I'm reading this book. And it talks about Jesus, and he's doing amazing things here, and it says that he can do with us also. And I think, you know, we shouldn't do the ceremony. Maybe Jesus will save me. And my mom actually got mad at me, and she screamed at me, and she's like, what are you talking about? You know, anyway, I was not a believer, by the way. So finally, the day came when the ceremony was supposed to place, take place. The spirit was supposed to possess me, and I was not ready for that day because I was so afraid to be possessed. My mom comes to me, even the people from the village got together at our house to join this spiritual ceremony. And my mom comes to me, she said, hey, I'm ready, let's go. This priest is ready waiting for you. And I said, mom, I don't want to come because I'm so afraid. And she said, son, because we love you. And if you don't come, everything is going to be in vain. And then the more destruction is going to hit our family. So you have to come. So I said, okay, mom, you just go inside. So I sat outside alone that day, and first time ever, I called upon the name of Jesus, first time. I did not know how to pray. Nobody ever taught me what to do, what not to do.
But I just simply, out of my genuineness and out of my curiosity and desperateness, I called upon the name of Jesus and I said, Lord Jesus, if you are the true one, if you are the mighty one, if you are the only one, please save me today. With this sentence I said, and I joined the ceremony, and the Hindu priest started playing drums and chanting and singing and calling upon the spirits, and there were so many people who were already possessed in the village started manifesting and dancing and coming to me, towards me, and shaking me up and throwing me here and there and pulling my clothes and here. And as I was there, I was still calling upon the name of Jesus in my heart. And that went for a long, 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 long time. At, until at certain point, I thought maybe I'll surrender myself to the Spirit. And that was the point when priests started stopped playing. The people who were manifested stopped and they fell down on the ground. And there, there was quietness in that, that entire room. Finally, this, this Hindu priest spoke up and he said, I mean, all the power, all the wisdom, all the tricks, all the knowledge, and all the magic that I had, I, had, I have just applied it. And there's nothing left in me, not even a single trick that I can apply to bring this spirit back to your son. And he says, this is the first time I, I have ever experienced this. He said, the spirit is right there to possess your son. But there is a huge, mighty power blocking that spirit to come over to your son. And I, he said, I cannot remove that mighty power. And he's like, I'm done. He said, I'm done. And he quit. Everybody dispersed, went home. Soon after that, I went to my mom and I said, Mom, do you remember one day I was talking to you about Jesus? She said, yes, I remember. And I told, he saved me today. And my mom and my dad, right that day, accepted Jesus as their savior. They were like, yes, we have seen it with our own eyes. Because, you know, on the mountains, the demons are invitedly, they will come into the lives of people and they'll destroy the lives of the people. But here, it is like, you know, they, even though they were inviting the spirit to come over to me, it didn't happen. And so that was the power of the name of Jesus. You know, he's the most powerful name that demon even flee away. The sickness even goes away. My parents gave their life to Jesus and they started reading that book every day. They suddenly, you know, stopped participating in any kinds of spiritual rituals and, you know, sacrificing in, in the village. Later on, yes, people actually from my village actually stood against us. They wanted to kill us. They wanted to, they actually threatened my parents that if you don't come back, then we are going to kill you because, because of you, the you know, destruction will come over entire village. An entire village will be destroyed by our village God. So you have to come back. My dad was like so strong in his faith that he said like politely with loving heart, he said, it's okay. Even if you kill us, we will be ready to die, but we will not come back. Why? Because we have found the Messiah. We have found the only one we have found the most powerful God, and there is none beside him. Even if you kill us, it's okay, but we will not come back. After that, you know, God healed me. I went back to my school. I left my village and came out of my village to city in 2000. Went to a small Bible school, and one day I was, you know, fasting and praying first time ever in my life. 
Because I, before that, I did not what is fasting. I did not, not what, no, I didn't, I didn't know what sin is. I didn't know what salvation is. I didn't know what prayer, Holy Spirit, you know, baptism. So in that school, I learned actually. And one day when I was fasting and praying, I was just kneeling down in my knees and Spirit of the Lord was just talking to me so powerfully. I could kind of feel that somebody is having a, a conversation with me. And it was a conversation of like, Om, I have done this. I came to you in that village. I healed you. I saved you. I brought you out of that village. And now I want to use you. And I'm like, okay, these things are fine. But what is the last person? Like, how you want to use me? Honestly, the place that I come from is like really, really back, like backward. I was like, Lord, I don't have education background. I don't have a family status. I don't have money. You know, there were times when I used to literally curse my family background. Why was I born into this family? Why was I not born into a nice family that I could get nice education? I used to curse one, one time, you know. And here I'm like, we are here God is asking me that he wants to use me. And I was like, I don't have anything. And how are you going to use me? And God was, I want to use you. God started sowing me the villages on the mountains, the similar village that I used to live in. And God started sowing the similar people just like me, going through the similar experience without Jesus. How they are st still stuck and still are under the bondage of darkness and the lies of darkness and Satan. And God was like, I'm going to take you back to those villages with my name, name of Jesus. And I said, Lord, even though I don't have anything, but I do have this flesh, I do have whatever this is, this, I do have flesh in this life, until the last breath of my life, I will preach your name. That day I gave away my life to Jesus completely. After that, I went to another Bible college, graduated in 2006 and started teaching in a small, tiny, you know, Bible school where, you know, I then got married in 2008 and then started going back to those villages with the name of Jesus, you know, hiking, trekking, you know, staying with people. And it is very difficult. It is so difficult that, you know, you actually walk like six, seven hours uphill onto those difficult, you know, trails, and suddenly you end up in a village, and you see that, man, there is a village on those mountains, like six hours and seven hours you walk, and that there is nothing on the way, and suddenly you end up in a village, and there are people living up, and suddenly, I mean, even I used to ask, like, why are you staying in these, in these places? But people are there, and they don't know Jesus. And, you know, what we used to do, we used to stay with them. We would eat their food. We will have some conversation with them, kind of make a relationship with them, and somehow open up the conversations about Jesus. And I have so many incidences that I can tell you, like when I talk to the people and say, have you ever heard the name of Jesus Christ? And they would say, no, that animal does not live on the mountain. <laughs> no, that tree does not grow up on the high mountains. No, that fruit is not mountain fruit. It may be like some different country's fruit or animal. or So that is what they understand. 
They think that Jesus is a fruit or an animal. You know, and God has actually enabled us to, you know, go to those places and somehow preach the name of Jesus. And we have seen some miracles. We have seen people giving their lives to, you know, Jesus. They are coming, you know, to Jesus and facing the truth. You know, we have literally prayed for people and we have seen the healing taking place those places. And that's what God started doing, you know, in Missouri. Then we slowly started this trekking company. And then, you know, we, have, we started the CrossFit. Because of that, we were able to connect to the people. And we were able to create a relationship, build relationship with people. Because in, Indi- in India, as we were talking about, the persecution has really grown up. And uh, the graph has literally gone up. So one of the, you know, one of the strategies that God really gave us was, you know, through business or through trekking or through CrossFit and, you know, have community building and through relationship we started, you know, winning people for the Lord. And today you will be so amazed that we have people come to the Lord who are actually working with us now. Not only in, you know, with place where we are, but even on the mountains where we went with the name of Jesus, with the gospel, hiking and trekking. And so, you know, when this pandemic took place, it was so difficult for India, and especially on the mountain area also. So what we started doing, like whatever we had in our hand, you know, in our local area, our, our neighboring area also, my wife, you know, and we, we started cooking food. And even every day, even now, like at, at least 10 people are eating at our house every day, young people. And so we started distributing small, small food packages during the pandemic. And that really opened the door for us again because they were like, man, why would you even help us? Why would you even care us, care about us? Because government doesn't support us. You know, other organizations doesn't support us. You know, the medical department does not care about us. Who are you? And that's what it is so important to live in the community. So it's basically living like living Jesus Uh, You know, not only just preaching, but actually living out in the society who we are. Because we have an identity. And, you know, the purpose of that identity that has given to us is to make the name of Jesus famous. Because he deserves it. Because he is the one who can bring life. Because he is the one who can bring healing, even in this world. He is the one who can restore the relationship. He is the one who can bring you know, the light into the dark, dark areas. And he is doing that. Even in the, when, when persecution is taking place, the Christians are coming forward with boldness because they have encountered the truth. And, you know, when you are living in the truth, when you are living into the light, you cannot go back to the darkness. There's no place for darkness in the light. No matter what. No matter even we have to give our life. And that, you know, basically, by the way, we are, we are just, we are on the journey here. No, none of us will ever live here permanently. But we do have a permanent place that God has kept for us. But when, until we are here in this world, he has a purpose for us. He's, he has planned for us. And his plans that he, are, he is going to, you know, bless us. He is going to in light, his light into us so that we can go out there and, you know, shine the light of Jesus Christ into the darkness. And how? It's not that just because, just mere words. Because, you know, honestly speaking, in India, the Hinduism is just, you know, rapidly growing and there's a lot of persecution 
happening from Hinduism and, you know, they're, you know, they're priests and all those things. And there are so many educated people also. And when you talk to them, they would actually, you know, just entire, they, they know entire Bible. But it's not just mere speaking. God has just kept us there to live among the society. And we can live through you know, prayers, we can live through giving, we can live, you know, when we give sacrificially also, that is making impact, that is opening doors for so many people out there that don't know Jesus to just praise the name of Jesus Christ. Even when, when we started distributing food in our area, two of the family came, came to us and they were like, man, we want to know Jesus. Can you please pray for us? Can we send our kids to your fellowship? And we have Sunday brunch, we call it Sunday brunch at our house where we meet every day, every Sunday, by the way. And my wife cooks meals for everybody and we call it brunch. We, can't, we don't call it Sunday church service because if we call it Sunday church service, then fanatics would come and they can destroy us again. But that is how the work is happening in India. And, uh, you know, as I was saying that, man, I don't have anything, but I do have this life in, that God has given to me, and I want to give back it to the hands of God. And I want to just read a scripture portion that is really, you know, uh, one of my favorite. It kind of talks to me, and it, it just connects to my story. And it is found in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 23, uh, 26 uh, through 31, and I'm just going to read it. And it says, Remember their brothers and sisters, that few of you are wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things, things the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despite by the world things counted as nothing at all, and use them to bring to nothing what the world consider important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you in Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. You know, as I was sharing my story, and I always feel so humble to be here because, you know, if I think of my own things, I would not be here. But it's the grace of God. It is the power of God's love that has called each one of us and has given this amazing, amazing calling of, you know, winning the soul, winning the people into the, his kingdom. You know, my wife... I always feel that God has blessed me with my wife with, you know, you know, she has so many talents and so many gifts that I don't even deserve. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, she, come, she also comes from China, almost China border. Uh, there's like 24 hours drive from the place where we live, where she comes from. She met Jesus on the, in the hospital, went back to her village, were persecuted by her own parents, was, you know, rejected and cast, were, were, were told that you, 
no longer have to live in this house. She had to take a decision for the Lord. Then came back, then we got married, and then, you know, God started just working in our lives. God started using us, you know, and when I'm saying all these things, it doesn't bring, you know, boast to myself, but, but I, what I want to say that the purpose that God has made us, the purpose that God has called each one of us is to actually bring glory to his name and to make his name famous. And that's the most purpose that he has. And I want to just say thank you for you guys also to stand with us because, you know, what you can do, I cannot do. What I can do, you cannot do. And God has kept us in that area where God is, you know, doing amazing things, amazing things because he's bringing more people to his kingdom through small, small things that we do. And, uh, you know, some of the stories that, you know, I can tell you that when God started using us, even my wife, since her, so many of her siblings started coming to the Lord, they gave their life to Jesus. You know, in my village, because of my parents, they are still in the village, and they still meet on Sundays. And they, because they are living there, or they are living the life that God, said, God has called them to live, so many people from that entire area know Jesus today. They have given their lives to Jesus today. You know, we talk in Hinduism, there is casteism. And Christianity is considered one of the lowest caste. One of the lowest caste because it is considered like the different religion, the outcast religion, the foreign religion. But when we live the life that God has called us to live, and when people see our deeds and people see our lifestyle and people see how, what kind of life we are living, they automatically are you know, attached, attracted to the light. And even the high caste people are coming to the Lord. Recently, my mom just told me that there is a high caste lady that gave her life to Jesus. It is unbelievable. The supreme priestly caste, that we call them Brahmins, they are giving their life to Jesus. And how this is possible? Because God has called each one of us with a purpose. And we need to, you know, react to it. We have to respond it to it, the calling that God has given to each one of us in different calling, according to different gifts. And we are living that life in this world, and God is going to glorify his name through each one of us, because the purpose that he has called is to bring glory to his name and bring light into the dark places. And so I just want to say thank you so much for praying for us, standing with us, and you guys are family. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you guys. Amen.